Yeah, it, the romant the romantic part is is hard because like I would say like you have Leo. If you're gonna remake it with Leo, you'd have Scorsese. <laughs> you can do like a mafia. Like. Mob on the Titanic. Let, let's be honest. If Scorsese remade it, it'd be more about Cal. <laughs> he mm. would be the protagonist. <laughs> it's like a full-on gangster. Yeah. Apparently it was pitched as Romeo and Juliet on a boat or something, which the beginning is Romeo and Juliet essentially, uh, or most of it. And then the second half is like an entirely different movie. Almost like split down, like when they're having sex in the car, that's like the exact middle of the movie. And so if they made it now, I feel like they would have two directors. They'd be like, okay, let's bring on like, I think Nora Ephron is, had died, died unfortunately, but Nora Ephron to do the beginning. She did like Harry, when Harry met Sally, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. And then like a horror movie director. That would be so wild. Like, no, but it's so true. Like you mentioned that it's it's split. It is such a crazy, like when you watch it, it's, I, I don't know. I haven't seen this movie in probably over 10 years, but I used to watch it a lot as a kid. And as a kid, you like, it came out in what, 97. I was seven years old and it was this very taboo film that you watch not really for the for the story but you watch for the sex scenes and you watch for the drama of it and Leonardo DiCaprio and and so when I would watch it when I was younger it was like oh you know that's what you watch it you watch it so you can say you watched it but then coming at it through a lens like now that I'm older I'm watching it it really is like they come they combined two different genres of movies. It was a love romance and a disaster film. And it's so crazy because um, when I was doing some research, I was reading about the marketing of the movie and how revolutionary it was because like back then, marketing of films, trailers were all just before movies or on TV. And so they would purposefully place different trailers on different stations, depending on who the audience of that station was. So like, Hallmark Channel, you know, would be, oh, it's a story about Jack and Rose, the love story. And then ESPN, it would be like, it's a disaster film, you know, it's a ship going down, it's hitting an iceberg. And it's crazy because it really attracted all kinds of people to watch it. But I think like that's genius to do that. I mean, because it, it is, it is two different films. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like a movie you try to hit too big of an audience to try to hit every, something for everyone and it doesn't work, or and not just movies. And this one was like, no, we're going to be very specific in this half and then very specific in this half. And the people who, the people who come for the disaster, there's enough stuff up front of like showing the disaster that you're like, as if people forgot, you know, that the Titanic sunk. So you're like waiting the whole time. And then for the people who are there for the romance, it's, it's, I think the romance works super well. And then else, you know, yeah, they cast Leo DiCaprio. And then, and then it's just like, shit. It's like watching any romantic movie with the, and you like fall in love with the main two characters. Then it's like, okay, now they could die. Like, here's this, let's just put them in a life and death situation. Like, let's take when Harry met Sally and it's like, okay, now they're on a speeding train and they're about to like, they could be, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Cause you get attached to these characters. And I, and I think, you can really tell like watching this now watching this film now you really can tell that it's a 
homage. It's, it's a love story, not only about Jack and Rose, but about Titanic and James Cameron. Like he loves that boat. And like, you can just tell like, just the, the cinematography of the ship. And when you read about how he recreated the China from the material they used back in 1912. And like, it really is this love story of, of the ship. And the ship is a role in the movie. It's, it's a character. And it's not just like Jack and Rose and their romance. It is, but it also shows the different parts of the ship and it brings the ship into the romance. Like when he's standing on, you know, the, the, the back of the ship and when he's there with Rose and when he's screaming in King of the World. And it's, it's a lot of just like, how beautiful that ship was so you are reminded of it constantly like oh when is this gonna go down when is it gonna hit the iceberg um it just keeps you on your toes and i'm with you 100 with jack and rose i honestly like i said when i watched it growing up i was just watching it for leo and i was always like eh, whatever this time watching it i got super emotional like it was emotional like the way they connect and the way it's written, like when she goes and dances with him in steerage and you really feel the chemistry, like the chemistry between them is insane. It really is. It makes me wonder why they did Revolutionary Road later. <laughs> Cause it's just like, they're just, they're just so charismatic together. And, and Kate Winslet is one of my favorite actresses. So I, maybe I'm a little biased, but the way she takes you from, oh, prissy little rich girl to like, oh my gosh, like I feel for her. I, I want to see her find love. I want to see her escape. Like she really does take you through that journey and really makes you want to see her succeed and want to see her leave. And you don't know anything about her. You know, you could, you could easily see her and, and be like, oh, she's just spoiled and she's, she just needs to get over it because she's very blessed but you don't feel that way for her. You do feel like she's trapped. And I think that was a very, very difficult thing to do as an actress. And she did it. Uh, I'm trying to figure if there's a new way to start, but I think we're already into it. The story is pretty clear. It's just love story, ship sinks, that's it. Yeah, let's let's take us through the plot, Matt, for those folks, you know, well, who we, I actually have, an, I have another theory about that. This isn't really a love story about Jack and Rose. It's not really a love story about Titanic. It's a love story about Bill Paxton and Susie Amos, who plays Old Rose's granddaughter. Now, Susie Amos is the real life wife of director James Cameron. Bill Paxton is playing basically James Cameron. I don't know if James Cameron has pierced ear, but you know, he has kind of the shaggy hair. And Bill Paxton is clearly James Cameron. There's a couple moments in the film that I noticed where the movie take, makes a point to kind of show how Bill Paxton and Susie Amos are interacting. And uh, I, anyways, I think that's what the movie's really about. But we do spend the first 20 minutes of the movie with like in present day with like these guys, these guys just joking about the Titanic and, you know, kind of like Bill Paxton like has his own camera and he's talking to it in a sense where he's like, there it is. And he says some BS thing and then he kind of turns it off and laughs. And so it's like, they're, yeah, they're kind of like, it's almost like if there, if there are any guys in the theater, let's say their girlfriends or wives or friends brought them and the guys are like, I don't want to watch some schmaltzy thing. They start with Bill Paxton like making fun of this and they're like, oh, they like are at ease because it's like, oh, this guy's like me. It's very like, yeah, we're, you know, three miles down below, you know, in your Bill Paxton voice. 
we're three miles down below the surface and the only thing that separates us from tons of pressure is a nine inch piece of glass and if that implodes then we're done you know like very dramatic bill paxton like you know very you know and so it's it's very weird how it opens just like he kind of makes fun of it and then also i couldn't figure out is he down there to see the titanic or is he down there like is he down there to study and learn about the Titanic or is he down there to find the heart of the ocean? Because like, it was very, he's a treasure hunter. He's a treasure hunter. Yeah. I didn't get that. I, I, this was the first time where I actually was like, Oh, he's looking for the diamond. I mean, I thought he just stumbled upon the safe and was like, you know, jackpot, you know, and then like pulled it up, but no, he's actually looking for the diamond but if, how did the diamond get out? How did they know? I don't know about that. The diamond is a weird thing because it's like clearly like a plot device to drive, to kind of give the story more meaning. I don't, I don't know. I, I was yeah, thinking about that. Like, is it necessary? Well, it gives you that moment at the end when the old woman, Gloria Stewart, when she like old Rose tosses it in, which I like when she just like, oh. but yeah. I don't know if it's just like, if it's just the way to get into the story. Um, and it, of course it pops up here and there. Like they make it look like Jack stole it, yada, yada. It serves a purpose. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's, he's a, I only know he's a treasure hunter because when they cut to old Rose and her very, very uh, uh, packed uh, apartment, they mentioned in like the TV broadcast, like treasure hunter, so-and-so. And in my notes here, I just wrote Bill Paxton's pierced ears. There's no, that's a note. Uh, the, the texture of the muck from the safe has never left my mind. It's like one of those images, the brown muck. I just like. Oh yeah. yeah like the muddy, it's like mud water. Yeah. It's but it's like but it's like it's like copper looking. Yeah, there's something about it. And even like the wet paper. And also, well then you have like the the drawing is in remarkably great shape. You know, they must have used some really cool paper yeah. or something, but um some nineteen hundreds crazy long lasting. The way old Rose uh you know when uh old Rose is there with her granddaughter and then they see the drawing and the granddaughter says, Grandma, you think this is you? And she's like, No, it is me. And then she tells she asks her daughter wasn't I a dish? Which I guess means, wasn't I hot? And I was like, that's Yeah. Like, you never heard that before? I've never heard that. Yeah, that's like a term. I mean, not anymore, but it used to be a term. Like, wasn't I a dish? Mm. So I have a secret. So I watched this movie in theaters with my mom. And we the scene where Rose and her granddaughter are shown, um, I was seven. She had red hair. The do- granddaughter. And I go, mom, I think that's Rose. And because they show the granddaughter and Rose in the same scene, to this day, my mom thought I knew who Rose was before. Because <laughs> she thought I was talking about the old lady. So she, was, she thought I was going, mom, that's Rose. I thought it was the granddaughter who was actually Rose, but it was the grandmother. My mom still to this day is like, you knew, you knew that old lady was Rose. And I was like, yep, yep. Well, it's not a secret. It's not a secret, right? I mean, maybe for a minute. For Yeah, in, in the beginning it was. Yeah, you don't okay. know. Oh, she the very, very, very beginning. Yes, she doesn't real, reveal that she's Rose until she is like, the well, woman when, in the painting is me. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there's like. Okay. No, but this is like when she's like doing her pottery and the, yeah, yeah. the granddaughter uh, for a the second, very first scene. For a second, I thought you went like most of the movie and your, your mom didn't realize the old lady was Rose, even though she's like, my name's Rose and I, here's my story. 
My mom was like, good, you followed a film. Good job. You actually listened to the script. Great. <laughs> so anyway, that that's just like something funny that it's, this movie is like, honestly, just so nostalgic. Like even, even the music in the, when they are in the submarine down with the ship, mm-hmm. the music, like the soft hum of like the theme song is so just like, whoa, it brought this like, like this wave of nostalgia over me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm taken back into 1997. Yeah, I I love all that, like the theme music, like, yeah, when they weave it in and then it it vanishes for so much of the movie when, you know, people are dying. And then when it comes back, uh, anyways, we can get that. Um, But yeah, okay, so I have a quick question for you. What, do you know what people knew about the Titanic before this movie? Because, they have that scene early on when the the guy with the beard shows a visualization of the Titanic sinking and describes it to old Rose. And then she's like, the experience was a little different, yada, yada, we yeah, yeah. in the past. So I, I, I'm pretty sure, and I think it's been said that that visual, that like uh, 3D you know, animation is there to kind of tell people, this is like, who are watching the movie, this is how it's going to sink. Because maybe going into the theaters, you didn't know how it sunk. And then of course, like the way it breaks, yada, yada. So do you, do you know what people like knew ahead of time? I think you're totally right. I think that's why um, they did that. Um, so they knew like later on when it hits the iceberg, it doesn't just go down. No, it was a mm-hmm. process of obviously like physics and <laughs> just a matter of how the ship was built. Um, it's kind of funny because I, I was pretty Titanic obsessed when I was younger, not because of the movie, but because I read a book on the Titanic. Um, and so I knew a little bit about it, um, but I didn't know that much, but it fascinated me. There's something about the Titanic that just fascinates people. I don't know if it's the irony of like, it was called the unsinkable ship and it sank, or just the stories of the survivors, or um, I don't know what it is, but it sucks you in. Cause I remember reading this journal and it's, it's a fictional journal, like a kid's, mm-hmm. not a kid's book, but you know, like a preteen book. Mm-hmm. But it sucked me in and I just was fascinated with it. I have a, I'm very scared of the ocean or being out. Like I went on a carnival cruise once and like being like 30 miles off the coast of uh, San Diego, I was like, we're going to, we're going down. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not going to last. Just when you, at night you could feel the ship rocking and I, I was like, this is very unsettling, but I can feel the whole thing. Anyways. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's super fascinating because it's horrifying. It's horrifying to think, like, it's also so ghostly because we don't have, and there's, like, some old video, I think, and old photos, but it's, like, it's just so ghostly. Um, there's also a book about the sinking of the Lusitania, which was the one that, uh, you know, that kind of got the world, got the U.S. into World War One. It's mm-hmm. called Dead Wake, and it's by this guy, Eric Larson, who writes a lot of uh, uh, nonfiction books about this kind of time period. And so the Lusitania is very similar to this one in my mind because, like, well, anyways, that like that one's that that book is great. It's great in the same way that I think the horrifying aspects of this movie are are compelling. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, yeah, I don't know what it is. The journal I read was called it was a Dear America series, and I think it was mm-hmm. fictional stories of women who who experienced historical events, and it was called Voyage on the Great Titanic: The Diary of Margaret and Brady. Um, so I, I loved that book when I was younger and, um, I don't really remember much of the story per se, cause it was fictional, yeah. 
but I remember I just reading about being on the Titanic and I think some there's something really relatable about it not that I've ever been on a sinking ship but just like you're going on this ship and think about you know like you you're totally at ease like it's a vacation it's Mm -hmm. you know for for most people on the ship for a lot of people it's just a means to get over to America but like you are totally in the hands of the crew and the captain and you trust them to do their job and just and what Titanic does so well the film is it just brings out the sheer just panic and it does a good job of showing the different facets of experiencing something like this like it shows the denial the people who are just complete denial about it not even putting on a life jacket it shows the people who are just panicking just can't even like can't deal with it it shows the people who have accepted it and you know like the band like I think one of the most memorable parts of the film like before I just rewatched it is the band and Mm -hmm. it's such a beautifully sad just like a thing to put in and I and um it's a true story like James James Cameron wanted a lot of the people who represented the different stories on the ship to actually be based on true people and so Mm -hmm. that that is a true story is the band stayed and played to the end and I find myself in a in a when I watch that scene and I don't know if you do the same but I see try to see myself as that as as like wow these these guys are just they're just playing to the, they just accepted it. They just, they got this gig to play on the Titanic. It's probably the best gig they've ever had. Like they're going to play, you know, get lodging taken care of, go to America. And here they are. They've all just have this, this, the same understanding of doom. And they've all just accepted it at the same time. And they've, and they just embraced it and are just playing and doing what they love. And like, that is really beautiful and i don't know if i could do that it just it just kind of makes you think about when the ship's going down (laughs) literally what kind of person are you going to be is it going to be would you be the panicked person would it be the denial person would it be the i'm going to try to save everyone else before myself would it be the acceptance like what kind of person would you be if the ship was going down kind of just makes you reflect on that that's, that's giving me so much anxiety. Like so much of, this, of that, like all the scenes where they, because they. Sarah thought the you were gonna be like, "That's deep, Brie. That's deep." No, no it, you it's just good. Gave it's me loads of anxiety. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful. That that part of it is beautiful and haunting. You know, because they know what's happening. There are similar shots of the captain when he's like, he knows for sure they're going down, and this woman comes up to him with the child, and he just looks at her with yeah. like, like he can't even. He, it's like he can't even process because it's so horrifying to think of what's gonna happen, but um. Like the whole, you know, all the sinking stuff, there's so many well-constructed like moments because they're, you know, they have to keep the movie going. You know, it's going to sink. So it's like Jack and Rose get stuck here. Jack's stuck here. It's, uh, and all those scenes make me so anxious. But what's so anxious about it is like when they come across other passengers and they're all kind of feral. They're all kind of like, they're all just, they're def- everything else yeah. goes out the door except like the need to survive and which con- contrasts with the, the band, as you were saying. But like all that stuff, it's just like, man, that's underneath everything that like we all have something down there we don't know how we'd react 
but when I see movies where people are in those situations where it's just pure survival, it, like it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Any disaster film, I guess. Yeah, like like when the kid is crying, when the kid's just screaming in the hall. I I can't, but I can't help but think like, who left that kid there? Um, it's the kids that get me. Like the kid that freaking Billy Zane takes and uses her as an excuse to get on a lifeboat. She's just crying for her mom. Like I, I just because hey, adults can Billy kind Zane of makes his own look. Because <laughs> um, adults can kind of like rationalize or you know i mean in a situation like that it's hard to make sense of anything but like adults kind of can put can make decisions you know based on logic and based on you know what's going on kids can't kids are like my mom's gone i don't know what's going on everyone's screaming and they just cry and it's so just it's so just completely helpless and sad and it was just like it was just it took me down i was just like oh my gosh like Oh, it's so sad. And then freaking Billy Zane. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're, we're kind of, I mean, not that we need, we can't get ahead of ourselves, but that's so much of the movie is that. I know we just went from the beginning to the end, but that's okay. Well, the movie kind of started with the end too, right? Yeah. It's, it's all good. That's true. You know, I have some facts. Should I share okay. those now? Okay. Yeah. If you feel it. Yeah. Go ahead. Here are some fun facts I read about the Titanic. The studios wanted Matthew McConaughey to play Jack. I wonder if he was a part of your recasting. No. Nope. But James Cameron insisted on Leonardo DiCaprio. He and Kate Winslet actually committed to the film before the script was written. Mm -hmm. So they committed to doing the film on, on by only seeing a 165-page outline. That's a long outline, though. I mean, that, that's probably... Yeah. It is a long outline. It is a long outline. And James Cameron wrote it, by the way. He wrote the movie. This is kind of cool. Fact number two. When James Cameron was writing the movie, he intended for the main characters Rose DeWitt Bootkaker, Bootaker, uh, I don't know, and Jack Dawson to be entirely fictitious. It was only after the script was finished that he discovered there had been a real Jay Dawson who died aboard the Titanic. This Jay Dawson was trimmer Joseph Dawson, who had been born September 1888 in Dublin, Ireland. His body was salvaged and buried at Fairview Lawn Cemetery in Nova Scotia, along with many other Titanic victims. Mm. Today, his gravestone is the most widely visited in the cemetery. Oh, wow. Damn, I didn't know that. Isn't that weird? Okay, this is another cool fact. This is more of a celebrity, like, did you know fact. Lindsay Lohan auditioned for the role of Cora, the little girl that dances with Jack, Lohan, who was then an unknown actress, was only eight years old. The only reason she didn't get the role was James Cameron felt that Lohan's fiery red hair would confuse people into thinking she was related to Rose. There was plenty of redheads. There was a lot of Irish people in the movie. I know. Plenty of redheads. Yeah. Were they all related uh, to Rose? Maybe. Maybe. I know. <laughs> um, this one's really bizarre and kind of morbid, but okay, I'll read it. On the final night of shooting, one or more pranksters mixed this dissociative hallucinogen pcp also known as angel dust into the clam chowder served to the cast and crew 80 people were taken ill and more than 50 people were hospitalized with hallucinations when james cameron realized that was happening he forced himself to vomit before the drug took full effect bill paxton felt listless for two weeks after the incident and the culprits were never caught 
That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's not like you just like. Like what is the what is like what is the goal in that? Like, were you just so underpaid that you're just like everyone? Pissed off. It was Leo, Leo DiCaprio. It seems like he's a prankster. What I find most interesting about the first half of the movie is, I mean, it's basically an entire movie. It's 90-ish minutes until the, they hit the iceberg. But it, every time you have that scene where Jack and Rose are on the front and you know he puts his arms, arms around her, she's like, I'm flying, Jack. Then you pull out and you go back to the present, old Rose. She yeah. says that was the last time uh, Titanic ever saw daylight. And I'm always like, oh, shit. Because like it's, it's the third night, I think, that it hits. Also, wait, okay, I'm jumping ahead here, but do you, do you remember, do you realize Rose, her plan was to run away from Cal? I was mostly just hung up on what was her plan had the Titanic kept going. Like, would she just have hidden out in the 30-person room downstairs where Jack slept and then just hope Billy Zane and his, like, Terminator bodyguard wouldn't find them? I don't know. I, and I also don't understand the Terminator bodyguard. He was a little, like... He makes his own luck, and then he points to his gun. <laughs> He, he was chasing, why was he chasing after him, them? What was he going to do? He, I don't know, because then at some point, he stops, and Billy Zane grabs his gun and chases after them. And so he's like, like, oh, no. Billy Zane's the monster. Yeah, they're both monsters. Yes, and I don't even know his name. Terminator it's, Bodyguard, I think I like survive? that name. Do No, he falls in the middle. Oh, I, miss, I always miss that. Yes, he's all bloody. Oh, that's right. He, oh, I, I've never put things together. That's him. Every oh character that they show like a little moment of they show die every character yeah like i never i never put together that was that was him but i remember that guy also his name i'm pretty sure is literally spicer lovejoy which is like a solid name no really it is i'm pretty sure yeah why is that not more of a thing why isn't everyone on that ship saying spicer Spicer lovejoy Hey, you're Spicer. You're that guy, Spicer. Hey, Spicer. It's Spicer. Everyone should know who he is. Everyone should like. It's Spicer. Lovejoy. Yeah, he's Spicer, and he carries a very modern-looking gun. His character didn't make sense to me because he's like Cal's little pet. Like he follows him around, follows Rose. Okay, that's fine. That makes sense. But then he starts chasing after them, and you're like, okay, this guy is crazy. I don't know why. What's his motivation? But he wants to harm them. But then when Cal gets the gun and chases after them later in the movie, he chases him like, no, no. And he like stops him. And it's like, and there's another scene where he stops him from doing something. Mm -hmm. He like holds him back. And it's like, wait, what? Okay. I don't understand the motive. I think he's just there to move the story along. You know, it's like, cause he's the one who, does he frame Jack and then he yes. arrests him? And I think the other point is just like, okay, Cal is this supposedly dignified guy who has his own monster, right? Like that's like, he's can afford to money. He pays people. Like, he has someone who of course would do this kind of stuff for him. Yeah. Which I never realized until I rewatched it, that that was Cal's idea. Cool. I always thought it was Terminator bodyguard guy. Yeah. Well, Terminator don't think for himself. You know? That's true. That's true. But I always thought that was him just putting... The, and then I forgot, I totally forgot he stole the coat until I rewatched. I rewatched, I was like, oh, yes, he stole the coat. Because I, I always get, when I was younger, I'd always be like, what? Why are they talking about this random person? Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, I took it, but I was going to return it. I'm like, what? What is he talking about? But then, and then that's genius because it, it kind of, mm-hmm. it gives Rose a reason to doubt him. Yeah, let, let's go into recasting. We need like a little recasting jingle here. 
There. Recast. I'll add something in. <laughs> Recast. So, Jack, this one I thought the least about. I have a couple alternates, but the first idea is, I think, the best one, and that's Timothy Chalamet. Oh. He is young Leo. They both have long hair. They're both I very know. slight. They're very boyish. And that's the whole thing is he got to, he's got to be a little boyish. Leo's got this charm. He's got this, like, charisma where it's just, like, you're just sucked in. I think Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet has charisma. Yes, he, no. he has charisma. I, okay, well, I'm, so my alternates were Riz Ahmed, which is a surprising one, but I think Riz Ahmed can do the kind of I, I think Riz Ahmed's, you know Riz Ahmed? No, I'm going to Google it. The night of, uh, he was just Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He He's a little bad. too old for the part. Because uh, Timothy Tim Chalamet is 25 and Leo was like 22. It, or, no, he was about 23. Yeah. He was young. Yeah. 21? Oh, shit. I think he was 21. Rose, first idea, or first person, the person I went with is Florence Pugh. Do you know her? I know this one's the cheating name. a little bit because she wasn't my first choice. First choice is actually Anya Taylor Joy, but then I think Florence Pugh could do it better. And Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh were both in Little Women, and so maybe I have too much of that in my head recently. The Greta Gerwig movie, but they were—I thought they were great in that movie. I also think Florence Pugh kind of looks like Kate Winslet, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that would look too, and she has to play both dignified. And I think Florence Pugh has and can. I mean, Anya Taylor Joy can too. And down and down to earth and down to earth, like. And kind of like trapped, you know, just like, like a girl that gets shit done. Anya Taylor Joy, I think, looks like she belongs in a very high class world too much. So she it looked. It wouldn't make sense if she was like, "I don't like this." You're like, you're killing it. I also can't see Anya Taylor Joy like getting down with an axe. Not playing chess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like carrying an axe through like seven feet of water and just like charging through like a freaking queen like kate winslet did i mention i love kate winslet i love kate winslet <laughs> did you watch the mayor of Easttown? i haven't yet don't haven't say either. anything i haven't either i haven't either but okay, i heard people okay like okay it. okay um okay so billy zane aka cal uh i got a few options here and i like the i like most of them. his name is billy zane like that is yeah, billy zane. That is, i kept calling regardless him of what his character name is it's billy zane yeah i forgot his name was cal okay first idea it's got to be someone who is dignified, looks expensive, look, they look expensive and they look like they they expect things to be a certain way and they have a sense of vengeance when they're not that way. So I went with Robert Pattinson. Mm, he's too soft. Another idea, Ben Affleck. A little too old, but Ben Affleck. Yeah. The age kind of matters. Oscar Isaac. Okay. Maybe Bradley Cooper. I was thinking Bradley Cooper just really? now. I was thinking so Bradley because Bradley looks like he looks like just a sleazy like yeah yes. And then want to hear my big one, which I actually think would be pretty dope if they remade Titanic okay. today. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, he would play the bad guy. He could do that. He could play that role, and he's old <laughs> enough. You know, it makes sense that he would have a really young wife because you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> dress him up at dress him up in like Django Unchained, like the yeah. beard. Oh and gosh, the yeah. And like the missing teeth, like. I think that'd be know. amazing. I think that'd be cool. Okay, so I got a few more. Uh, okay. Molly Brown, Catherine Hahn, she's in Step Brothers. Oh no, she's too funny. I feel like she'd be she'd be too funny. Molly Brown is like she plays the character who's just calling everyone out on their like like bullshit, and she's just or she's just like this is insane. Yeah, but I feel like she'd be like too goofy. You want to hear another another one? Is Megan Mullally? Yes, 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 yes. Whoopi Goldberg. We're really okay, kind of getting yeah. outside of the realm of it. And then the last one, 
This is only, this is not meant to be like, this isn't because this person is particularly funny, but because they would have the opportunity to just comment on things and be like, this is insane. Beyonce. <laughs> okay, now it's coming. As the unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> just her, Lizzo would be better. She would just start singing at some point. Oh, Lizzo would be good. Okay, the captain, I, I really just have Kurt Russell. I think Kurt Russell could do the white beard. And he, the captain has to be likable. You know, he's like, this is a tragic situation. No, I, I have it. I have it. Oh. I have Sean Bean. Oh, that'd be pretty good. He dies. Like, I mean, he, Sean Bean has to die in order to be in a film. Mm-hmm. And he's got, like, he's just got the, the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, he could totally do it. Like, he could totally be the captain. <laughs> I also wrote, this is only because I recently saw a photo of him and he, he has gray hair, Matt LeBlanc. Or Giancarlo Esposito. I like Matt LeBlanc. He'd be <laughs> such a chill captain. Like, he would just be like, I feel like you'd have to play up the whole, like, I've, I'm new to this thing. And he's like, this, like, it'd be more of a comedy with him. <laughs> okay, just, I know. That's funny. Rose's mom, Laura Dern. Yes. Billy Zane's bodyguard. At first, I was thinking Channing Tatum. But then I thought, not quite. <laughs> then I thought Ben Foster. is not a, but he plays intimidating characters. And then I settled on Harry Melling, a.k.a. Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter. If you, have you seen him recently? No. Look him up. Well, you don't have to do it now. Harry Melling, he's a lot more slim. He's a really good actor, and he can play slimy really well, I think. You know who would be really good as Cal? Oh, no. now I got it. Oh, what's his name? He's in The Great Gatsby. Oh, uh, Tobey Maguire? No, 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 no. The, uh, the, um, he plays Buchanan, Tom Buchanan. Joel Edgerton. Oh yeah, that guy. He's good. Oh, he'd be he I think he'd be better as Cal's bodyguard. Really? He has he has a physical presence that I think works for Cal's bodyguard. I think he has the look of like rich. Maybe it's because he plays Tom Buchanan, which is like the same character. Cal isn't meant to be physically imposing. He's more like he's slimy, he's creepy, he's sinister. And then his bodyguard is you know, his bodyguard's not muscular, but his bodyguard is more the physical like presence. I don't know. I think Billy Zane looks pretty freaky. He looks like the he looks like the mummy in the mummy. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, he's got better skin, I would say. Okay, last last few. Jack's Italian friend Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Jason Schwartzman. Eh, but he's too American. Uh, the other one, the other one is Frankie Muniz. <laughs> or Oscar Isaac against type. Oh, Oscar Isaac, he could play both. The ship's architect, who was uh, played by Victor Gerber. Victor Gerber, yeah. He's very likable. So this, so my first idea is Tom Hanks. Uh, other option is Russell Crowe, I think could work in mm-hmm. his older stage. And then I went with Stanley Tucci. I like Stanley Tucci, that, that's my vote. Um, okay, and then the last one I'll do is the ship's PR dude, who's like the guy who like is like, let's go faster, and he's all kind of slimy. He named it. He named. I had trouble he named with one. the Titanic. Oh, he did. That's right. Yeah, Edward Norton. I was, I didn't feel very strongly about okay. Edward Norton. Okay. Um, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. You could you could put him as any role, and he yeah, would that's what I, it. I had trouble with that one because I was like, this guy could totally play Rose. He could be the Italian dude. He could literally, you could put him in any part of Titanic and you would be convinced that this is the role he was meant to play. He could play Rose. Gli amici della vedetta ammirata da tutti noi questa gemma propria della nostra cultura saranno naturalmente accolti sotto la mia protezione per la durata del loro soggiorno. I have some mistakes. 
that I like to call them continuity alert. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> Were you making fun of my continuity catches? No, it's just, I thought you were going to say like, I thought you were going to say continuity as if you like kind of came up with that like, like name concept. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, alert. No, I like it. continuity alert. So this is probably the most famous one, but um, so there's a scene when Jack meets Rose and he's like, he mm -hmm. saves her. He talks about ice fishing in Lake Wasoda. So Lake Wasoda is actually a man-made lake that was created after the Chippewa River was dammed. That's dammed with two M's, not dammed as in Queen of the Damned. That didn't happen until 1918, a full six years after the Titanic sunk. So this Lake Wasoda he talks about didn't exist when the Titanic sank. I have, a, I have a thing where whenever like movie stars and movies say like, yeah, I grew up in this little town. I'm like, he's never heard of that town. Leonardo DiCaprio has never heard of it. He's probably never even heard of that's Wisconsin. How I, that's how I feel when, when, when like characters in movies complain about grocery shopping or like cooking. I guess it's like, well, well, the movie works in such broad strokes because that's how like, it's kind of, you know, that's how these movies work, right? It's just like emotion, big, not manipulative, but it's like very clear where you're supposed to feel. And so it's almost like the more detail to give out about the characters, at least the second or third or fourth time around, it's almost distracting. You're like, wait, he has a back. He had a life before this. Like, yeah. I also think like Leo, I love Leonard DiCaprio. Love, love, love. I love Jack and Rose. Mm -hmm. He played this a little too casual. It's a little too modern. When, when they're sitting, okay, this is the perfect example. When they're sitting and she's looking at his art and they're just kind of starting to get to know each other. And she's like, wow, you really, you do get around. And then she's kind of like stutters a little bit. And he goes, mm -hmm. for a poor guy, you can say it. It just felt a little too modern. It's like spitting. People didn't spit before 1960. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But like, it just felt, he kind of played it like how I would imagine Jack to act today. And I'm like, how long has he been in London? Like, I feel like the, it just didn't, it felt a little too modern. Don't you kind of have to do that though? Like the main goal is to convey the emotion. And so it's like, it's almost like the, you know, the makeup they would have worn would be different. Like all these things probably would have been different. That might've been a little alienating to people 80 plus years later. That's true. Maybe there was like, I'm sure there were conversations about like what, to what degree that, you know, they pushed this or that. But no, I agree with you. I mean, his hair, his hair feels both modern and like somehow possible for the time. I agree. Yes. But anyway, uh, that was just something I was thinking about as I was watching it. I was like, Leo just, he's just acting like himself, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it just seems a little too not realistic sometimes. I'm surprised his, his pussy posse wasn't in the movie. You know about that, right? Yes, yeah. everyone okay, knows about that. Sure. Toby Maguire, the kid from Witness, who was also in Inception. And the kid was from Witness was in Inception. Uh, what? Because... Leo DiCaprio was in Inception, so it's like he got he got them. Lucas Haas could have played a great uh, Fabrizio, and then Tobey Maguire could have played uh, the Irish guy, the Irish the Irish friend. I mean, he'd have to play put on an no, accent. No, no, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire could have played one of the waiters, <laughs> or the guy who opens the friggin' elevator door. That's what Tobey Maguire would have played. Second continuity alert. It's a left-handed cameraman this is kind of interesting several of the mistakes in titanic were the result of flipping the camera image in order to have the ship pointed in the right direction mm -hmm. 
because we know where Titanic sailed from and to um, and the direction it was heading, James Cameron wanted to have it right. To achieve this, some of the shots were inverted, but this caused other issues such as the changing of Rose's beauty mark. I, I saw this too with Leo's scar. When he first sees Rose and like the close up of his face, his scar is, looks like it's on his left eye, but I guess it's really on his right eye. Yeah. Also, I didn't know he had a scar, but uh, yeah, that was another thing that was flipped. It's because they would film it with left or right hand, like cameraman, mm-hmm. and then they had to invert it because it would be... What does the handedness of the cameraman matter? I don't know. It's just like, if it's like a lighting thing, or if, like, I, I thought we were going with that, maybe what, where you are, is that like... Well, that was another mistake, I guess. I don't know the specifics on it. I didn't write it down, but when they're spitting off the boat, um, it's dinner time, right? Because mm-hmm. they hear the bell for dinner. The sun is on them, and it's clear, I think they're going... So if that's west, then they were going south? Because the sun set, sun's setting, so they were going, so they were going southeast. When I oh, think, right, right, yeah. I think the direction of the ship was northwest. It should have been more behind them, the sun. Mm-hmm. So another one, actually, my last one. It's a mistake that's actually not a mistake. To try and miss the iceberg, an officer tells the helmsman hard to starboard, and afterward hard to port. And I actually noticed this because I know starboard and port, what side um, it's on. Um, after both orders, the helmsman does the opposite of what we believe is correct. So today, port is left and starboard is right. People think that this is wrong, but in 1912, port was actually right and starboard was left. And I guess the reason they changed this was because boaters of the 1900s were raised driving automobiles, so boats made the change to conform. The whole thing about automobiles reminds me of the automobile that they have sex in in the in the hold, which I think is. Oh the- shit! Here, near, 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 near the scene. So they show that car being loaded up, and when like before the ship leaves, you know, it's like the grand. Yes. And I think I think I read something about it. It was like in the cargo hold, there was one car. So there's one car, which makes sense, right? Because cars weren't that common in 1914. Right. So them have them like. Like getting in a car would be like today someone getting to a private jet or something, right? I guess. <laughs> it's like it's just so like out of this world. Like I feel like Jack should have walked up to that car and been like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like Rose, I guess. She's you know, she's been in cars, but I know he knows he, exactly yeah. what to do. But he's a yeah, well traveled gentleman. Try. He's a well traveled guy. So he's probably seen cars. I, I buy that. I buy that. Put your hands on me, Jack. So so the hand, wait, I have to talk about the hand real quick. It's really James Cameron's hand. Is it really? <laughs> no, no. But the drawing <laughs> scene of Leo drawing, the close-ups are apparently James Cameron's hand, and apparently he's left-handed, and so they had to, again, flip the image to make it look like he's right-handed. Why? Why did they use his hand? Is it, like, some weird director thing? Yeah, well, maybe the hand in the window was a reshoot, and maybe James Cameron's like, I can't find the right-hand model, so I'll just do it. <laughs> so I was going to say, I was going to say, the hand was in my A-push book. They talk about what? it. Why? There was, I, because they talk about the Titanic in my A push book, and I remember there was a paragraph specifically, and it talks about. I don't know, how, but I swear, if I could find the book, I would totally share this with you. But it says it has like an excerpt, and I remember it said specifically, hands stretched out in pure ecstasy. That's for an AP US history class. AP history class, like 
junior in high school. But it was like everyone in A push was like, did you get to the part in chapter whatever when we talk about whatever, like the 1900s and it's the, you know, Titanic sinks and everyone was talking about like, oh my God, it talks about sex in the book. So anyway, I just, every time I see that scene, I always think about that. No, when I was a kid, you know, you had the double VHS box set. It's like super thick. Yeah, same. And, um, yeah, and so I had, I was really good. I was best friends with my neighbor at the time, uh, also five or so years old. Love where this is going. <laughs> well, what we would do is we would watch the Titanic at one of our houses when our parents were gone. So if his parents were gone, we'd go over to his house, hang out, and watch the Titanic and fast forward to the two scenes, the drawing scene and then that the car <laughs> sex scene. I always liked the drawing scene because you, you saw nudity and I'm five. I don't have much of an imagination. You know, you know, I, I don't remember coming from where I came from and I, I don't have any experience going where I'm going. So I always, I always liked the drawing scene and I was like, we got to do this. And then he preferred the sex scene. Which, you don't see anything. You don't see anything. That's exactly. I'm like, how did he, like he, he, there was enough there that, yeah, that worked for him. Anyways, we got in trouble a couple of times or maybe not even <laughs> trouble, but our parents knew, how noticed often when. did this happen, Matt? It happened a lot back then. But we, it's VHS, so we would forget to rewind it back to the beginning. So our parents would like, I don't know if we were watching Titanic like once a week or something, but that they they would put it in, and it's just right in the middle of the scene that we, yeah, the sex scene. Would you two just like in the middle just be like, uh, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna use the other. Bathroom. We were five. Our minds were titillated. Our bodies, well, maybe, but we weren't sure. We just knew that we liked it. <laughs> that's so funny that's what i associate with this movie so for me my moment my little titanic sexy moment i was seven when it came out and i saw it in theaters with my mom i don't know what possessed her to take me to see this freaking three hour long film i don't know but it's time for you to understand you're not gonna live forever right (laughs) um i was super engaged because leonardo dicaprio was god's gift to the earth and i was just so excited so the scene happens. I don't really remember this. My mom tells this story though. Ridiculous. So they're in the they're in the, the car, the hand goes up, slides down, and my mom leans over to me and goes, Bree, do you know what's going on? And I just go, Yeah. And she goes, What what's happening? And I go, They're doing it. And my mom goes, Oh really? What what does it mean? And I go, hugging and kissing. And my mom just goes, that's correct. <laughs> I don't know if this was my mom's way of like, okay, sex talk done. Like, or educating me. Maybe she thought like this would educate me and I would learn all I need to know. I don't know. I guess I was super just like, I know what they're doing. Because at school, that's what everyone talked I've about. I've been to first grade. I know what's going on. Like, everyone talked about the sex scene. Like, the, the scene where they do it. You know, yeah. when I was little, it was do it. It was never sex. It was always like, they're going to do it. But anyway, I think it was just so taboo. Like, the whole, the movie. Maybe just because it was just so, it was, like, it's so, like, there were parts of the movie that, like, most of it now, as I'm older, Mm-hmm. I'm very, it very much makes sense. And it's the, the timing of it. I mean, it's a little long, but the timing of just the pacing of Rose and Jack getting to know each other, like mm-hmm. banter, the banter they have on the ship is great. Like they have great chemistry. And then even though it's three days, it feels kind of like a lifetime between them. And I think that's one of the reasons the movie works so well is like everything is, is like 
timed out perfectly, which makes me think like James Cameron seems like one of the least sexiest people to me. Not like physically, but just like his his movies are very like high concept. You don't associate like James Cameron movies with hot and heavy. It's kind of like Christopher Nolan. It seems like he's like, okay, I know. He's, he's probably like bored by the sex scenes. He's like, I know there's got to be some sex scenes. I know sex sells. I know we need a romance. But he, he approached it like, like a scientist, uh, scientist where he's just like, we need this here to set up this. We need them to draw to draw her. Ugh. Like we need them to have sex. Ugh. It's no, like, and, and that actually kind of brings me to one of my notes was it's, it's the romance and it kind of brings us full circle romance, disaster, drama. You have the action in there when Cal chases them down with a gun and the sinking ship. You're just like, Oh my God, this guy, they're on a sinking ship and he's chasing them with a gun. Like, in any other movie, that would be the moment of like, like sheer just like action and drama and like fear and terror. And that would be the climax. But in this one, it's just like a small, like what, like maybe it lasts like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds of him chasing them with a gun. And you're just like, oh my gosh, they really fit every single thing in this film. <laughs> You said he wrote the movie, and I think that's right. That's what it is. But I'm, I'm there must have been so many other people involved because, like, oh, hundred percent. It's like a piece of music. Like it has to be in the right rhythms, the right time. Like, yeah, because this could, this could so easily not work, right? I mean, there's so much money yes. involved that, like, yeah. Yes. Anyway, well, yeah. it took years. Like, I know it took them years and years and years and years and rewrites after rewrites after rewrites. But I think another thing that we're kind of dismissing that also worked amazingly well is the cast. I think the cast was insanely well casted. I think Jack, Rose, Cal, Unsinkable Molly Brown, you got Kathy Bates in there and she's just got this small role, but it it was a historic role. And like she added, like think of think of how easily he could have just put her in very simple and then had her help, you know, with the lifeboats, which is historically accurate. She wanted to get the lifeboats back to save people from the water. Um, but like she was the she was the one who kind of bonded with Jack. Like, hey, do you have any idea where you're going? You're about to go in the snake pit, you know? And she kind of shows that side and, and, and allows Jack to fit, be the part. And so she was an instrumental character in the movie and, and just the way, and then also the way Ruth, Rose's mom, talks, has that moment with um, Rose when she's doing her corset and it's like, you need to make this marriage work. You need to marry Cal. We will have nothing. And so you, you're kind of like, okay, Ruth isn't a total bitch. She's just terrified of being poor. And, you know, she was a seamstress and she doesn't want to go back to that. And, and it kind of gives you a little bit of content or context around like, why are they pushing this marriage? Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes you feel even more bad for Rose because of course she doesn't yeah. want her mother to be out on the streets and she doesn't want to lose it all. Um, and it kind of just puts a little bit more pressure on her and just shows you how desperate she is to get out of it. I think, yeah, I think Rose's mother might be my favorite character for that actress to play that character. Probably really like a good challenge. Cause you're just like, Oh, I like, I get this person. Like it's, you don't exactly like them, but you, you know where they're coming from. That was it's just such an interesting, like a lot of these characters are very broad and not in a bad way, but it's like, this guy is almost literally the Terminator. Like Cal is just slimy. But they, but James Cameron, I think he he did a good job. Like none of these characters are flawless. None of them. Like even Rose, even Jack, he stole the jacket. He did steal it. But you ultimately love and root for Jack. You know he's a good guy, even though you only have 
up until that point, what is it like, what'd you say? 90 minutes. You learn about Jack and here he won a bet in poker, got on the ship. Mm -hmm. He stole this guy's jacket. He wants to take Rose and that, you know, and, 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 and even Cal, Cal has this small, small, small moment with Rose when he gives her the heart of the ocean and he tells her, I will give you everything. I will provide everything for you. And it is this little moment of sweetness and this little moment of like, there is some tenderness there and there is something there very small and deep down. And it, it mm. kind of adds this, it kind of makes the characters a little bit more dynamic. He could have just made him bad. He could have just made him totally bad. And like, I think you would have understood why Rose stayed with him because of Ruth talking to her about like, we need him for the money kind of thing. But they did, he didn't, he didn't make him totally bad. He kind of made him a little bit, he devoted himself to Rose and you know, but he is the bad guy. Yeah, I guess I would say Rose's mother is the most nuanced character I can think of. Like she has like she has just enough to have multiple layers. I get what you're saying, but I would I would say like Cal is pretty straightforward, like this is how you're supposed to feel about him, and this is how you will feel about him. Uh there may have been that moment. I you might be right, but my memory of all of his scenes is that like he just viewed her as property. Oh yes. My point is is like in any any scene where he's with anyone other than just Rose, he's a total dick. Yeah. He's a total dick. Like, he orders her food for her. He tells mm. her to shut up. Like, all this stuff. But then mm. there's a scene where he gives her the heart of the ocean. And it's maybe, I don't know what James Cameron's point of that was. It is, like, kind of a little bit, I felt a little bit of tenderness. I really mm. did. I was like, I know this guy's bad. I know how this ends. I know he's horrible okay. to her. But he gives her this giant diamond and is like, I want to give you everything. I mean, he means it like in terms of physical items, but I feel like every woman wants a man who's going to be like, you know, I'd give you anything, you know, I will do, I would do whatever I could to make you happy. And I think that's the difference is that he wasn't willing to make her happy, but he was just, it just like a moment of saying, you know, I'd give you anything. Is that what, maybe that's what women wanted in 1997. I feel like, I feel like that's. Well, no, like I'm saying is like, not, he means it in a very superficial way. Like I will give you, I will pay money. And that's not what I mean. I mean, some women want But he's trying to give love in the way he knows how to give it, which is a very simple way. Yeah. Exactly. He's trying to show her that he is devoted to her and that he cares in his way. You know, I, I don't know. I'm willing to, to play devil's advocate and kind of see literally, um, and kind of see like the good side of Cal. Cause I think that that scene was there for that. He could have just opened that thing up and put it on her and been like, you're wearing this tonight. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they could have taken that scene in a different direction is my point. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, they made him like, I have something for you. And you know, and it was a little, a little, sweetness i think in my opinion well that's how i feel about yeah like the the scene with um rose rose and her mother when her, you don't exactly agree with her but you at least know where she's coming from and i feel like that to me that was just read as like a scene that like an actor would be like oh this is great like i i like there's something to chew on here whereas if you're playing fabrizio you're just like <laughs> i see the statue of liberty you're like you keep picking on fabrizio well, it's such a such a cartoonish <laughs> character and then like i know and then he goes away you don't see him until he wakes up from the bunk bed where he's He's like, Statue of Liberty, cut to, like, ship sinking. I know, and then it's such a weird scene where he's like, Jack! And he's like, Fabrizio! And then they hug. And 
And seeing how quickly Jack and Rose like escalated from not knowing each other to like you probably knew Fabrizio for like thirty six hours before that. Yeah. You probably just met him, and then Fabrizio gets crushed by a smokestack. Remember that? Yeah. No, that's what's amazing. They follow every single person you see that has like a moment in the film. You see them die, and it's like I think that's James Cameron's way of like trying to you know show show just the that you can you, even the smallest character you can have an attachment to that you're even the smallest character you're like no not the little girl you know i will say that if i were someone on titanic I was, the titanic titanic that sounds like uh tinnitus it sounds like probably what you called it when you'd go see it with your friend the titanic oh yeah. <laughs> there we go there we go I have like a kind of a big theme I wanted to just point out that exists now that wouldn't have existed in 1997. I don't know if you felt this, but when I was watching, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going back to like all the different scenes of the different people panicking, who is in denial, who helps, who withdraws, who accepts. Didn't it kind of remind you a little bit of the pandemic? No, oh, yeah, sure. The sense of panic and disorder and like just the chaos of it it really felt mm-hmm. like the pandemic like people in denial people just like running from their lives just not knowing what to do it, it just and and oh my god mm-hmm. when cal is like working with um one of the crew members to get a deal for a lifeboat it felt like people trying to get vaccines like it was like mm-hmm. Oh, I got a vaccine on the other on the other side of the. You just drive down, and they'll they're giving it to everyone. They're letting anyone on, and it was just like I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like parallel. This is such a moment of just like I'm watching two parallel scenarios. There was that scene where they were vaccinating people to cold water. Shut up, you know what I'm saying? No, I agree with you. I agree. I think it would work even better if if the the movie didn't end when the ship sunk, but it, you followed Rose on like the boat. And but instead of just cutting to them being picked up and whatever, she yeah. just like waits. So it's like another hour of her just waiting in a room, being like, "God, this is so boring." <laughs> like all the horror stuff is out of the way, but you're like, "Okay, when can we leave?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just it just it just kind of was like really funny parallel, like you know, just kind of showing people in a desperate situation, like who they truly are, how they truly act. It's it's all it's romantic, it's horrifying, it's all these different things. But then it's like so existential because of that. It's not just that, it's not just that all these people die, but it's like the scene where the captain first hears that the ship will sink, and everyone's in complete denial. The PR dude, or you know, is is like that that's not possible, you know. And then the scene with the captain and the the, the woman and her, and her child, and it's just this like catatonic look. And like, how often do you get those moments in Never. big budget studio films that are? ultimately meant to be like crowd pleasers and this one sort of is because in a way because it ends with that you know that scene where uh the dream scene or so or uh, rose sees jack again and it's kind of like you yeah it's kind of like this closure yeah, yeah it's a closure which i thought was dumb but you thought oh, i love that I think it's oh i hated it i hate that scene where... i think the movie needed it it felt a little like too like, what what happened to this woman's husband what about her husband that she actually married she obviously you know, she was married. She talks about it. She says, not to, even to your grandfather. Like, she says, yeah. like, she was married. But, like, he's just 
like this guy she's known for three days is just yeah he could never live up to the the like the that's artist. sad the romance has been to me so romantic but you know it, it is something where it's like i don't think she would remember well i guess that's a very traumatizing event you probably can't unremember that but yeah it's like uh she she says about them having sex she tell old rose tells people it's like or no she said the drawing scene was the most erotic the most moment erotic of my life up until, until that point so i'm like okay she she did some stuff you know yeah, I know. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's expand on what yeah, else. Yeah. What if they? What if they instead of asking her, like, what else happened that night? They're like, so what other erotic moments happened in your life? Yeah. Forget the Titanic. Well, which topped that? Which yeah. topped? We don't that. need any more about let's the sinking. And in fact, yeah, we know what happens. They, they, we have they, a, they, in fact, we have a video. We have a three D model. They brought her there to talk about the sinking of the ship, and she spent all this time talking about the three days prior. Where I get that that's part of the experience, but I feel like they might be like, okay, let's speed it along, like. <laughs> It's like no, 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 I gotta tell you about this guy I met and drew me. Yeah, I'm. Not, I wasn't a fan of the final scene. It just felt a little too forced. I understand the closure, but but I think the yeah, I think the movie needed it. I mean, it might not have. It might have been fine without it. I don't think it did. I don't think it did. Where would you have ended it? I would have ended it just like showing her pictures, all the things she did. Because remember, that's what Jack told her. Like you're gonna live a long life. You're gonna make lots of babies. Like you're gonna you're and and you have so much more to do your time has not ended. And I think her doing that was what Jack would have wanted. She I don't set think- free. Yeah, so it's like yeah. Jack was her, the person who set her free. She, yeah, she, he saved her life. He saved her life in every way a woman can be saved. And I think that is one of the most beautiful lines because it, he did. And I, I think that that is why the, the romance and the quick, just the fast pace of it and, everything that's so corny and cheesy about it makes sense is because he saved her life. He, she, mm. in, in so many ways, he rescued her from killing herself, from jumping off the side. He mm. told her that she, she doesn't have to do this. She can be free. She can live a life that is fulfilling. And then he actually saved her on the ship. And like, you know, she got to be on the, the, we didn't even talk about the, freaking door like well that's a common that, complaint i don't think they would have it's been. so i it's so common but and i don't really care i mean it was whatever like i'd like to think he could have gone on there but he was like i think it's better this way oh <laughs> i like that i never thought about it like no he's yeah, like she's that. not gonna she's gonna go to resent me we're not gonna get along long term i've never had i don't have like long lasting relationships i'm best in a three-day like you know amount of time like she won't forget me obviously let's like let me this just die too, here. this is too much commit she's talking about getting off the boat with me like she's yeah. talking like this is too much commitment He's i'm like, I'm, freaking I'm out. already numb you know i don't really have to do much more i can just fall asleep like who knows what's gonna happen she can always she can always think of me as this man who like loved her and saved her and i don't have to do anything else yeah, I, i'd rather be it's like when a comedian leaves and it's like all right that's it for me good night folks like they're not gonna leave note. when they're when they're getting booed you know like they're gonna leave on yeah top. yeah if they ever, if they survived that, and then when in the future they ever got into a fight, she was like, you know, I really liked you most in that one moment. <laughs> She's like, he's like, I can't live up to who I am right now, so I might as well just bow out. <laughs> She's gonna come back to me in the afterworld. Can I read you a couple quotes I really liked? Yes, and then we should wrap it up. This, this is the captain to the PR dude. After they learn that the ship will sink, he calmly says, well, "I believe you may get your headlines, Mister Ismay." I love that line too. 
then the way the camera like zooms in and there's like no music and it's just like it's the first time cap the captain's learning about this and he's mm -hmm. like he knows the impact it's going to have and he's yeah. he's like completely wrapped his head around what kind of catastrophic event this is going to be and the impact it's going to have on so many lives he's like he's always so composed which you know you, i guess you would hope a captain is i never realized maybe because i never really paid attention until mm -hmm. just when i rewatched it that mr ismay is the real reason why they weren't able to steer the ship away in time because he wanted to speed it up because mm -hmm. he wanted to get there like a day earlier or something I do. Well, is there I a re is that the reason they couldn't slip they couldn't turn the ship? I don't know if it. So what I read a little while ago was that uh, yeah, it was a speed. It was they also mentioned this that the the water was so calm that night that usually you could kind of see the water against the edge of the iceberg, but they couldn't. And then the other thing I read, which I thought was really interesting, is this is a theory. I don't know if it's if it can be proven, but that when they hit the the iceberg, they try to steer out of it. And then if they had just gone straight ahead, what might have happened is it would have done more damage to fewer compartments. And that would have been, they could have weathered that. Oh, because they could have just shut those down. Yeah. Because they could have closed. That, that was one thing. Closed the doors. And then the whole thing about them going as fast as they were. Yeah, I read about that too. Like they wanted to get there either a day early or, or whatever, because this is a maiden voyage and it would be a great headline if it's like Titanic arrives even faster than people thought. Right. I think, yeah. So those are all kind of components. Yes, Mr. Isbeck, they, no good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember he, when, hearing yeah. that. When he gets on the boat, do you remember that? It's, he like, he sneaks onto the boat and the guy sees him and is like, kind of like just glaring at him, but he can't look at him. Oh, that was another great scene of just pure, just uh, another just showcasing of people and what they mm -hmm. do in a desperate situation and mm -hmm. and like you know like you 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 look at him and you're like oh what a jerk but like you kind of makes you think like would i do that you know like yeah you're all just you're just so terrified that it's like you just want to survive yeah even if, even if he's so full of shame that would probably ruin him you know for the rest of his life i would imagine maybe it did okay a couple other quotes uh this is cal when he he puts rose and her mother on the boat for the first time he, you know he says any room for a gentleman uh, gentleman it's like a guy who is su super rich like he is in line for like a movie and he's just like so sure he can talk his way to the front yeah shut down rose to uh cal i'd rather be his whore than your wife <sighs> oh that's a great line such a good line this one is really good to like help make even more clear how much of it uh how bad cal is or just how slimy Rose says half these people will die, and he says, "Not the better half." I know. Oh my like, god! Such a good line. Not the better half. Yeah, this one is more wholesome. I thought uh, Rose when she goes to rescue uh, Leo, which we didn't really talk about that, but like she chopped the things off, you know, the handcuffs. Yeah. He, yeah. He says Rose, "How did you find out I didn't do it?" She says, "I didn't. I just realized I already knew." Yeah. Yeah. I, know, I just like that one. Like she just and, realized in her in her heart that she knew he didn't do it. And then another one is when I think. Fabrizio and the Irish guy and Rose and Jack, they run by the, the musicians, which this is another great thing, how the movie keeps switching perspectives. There's so many people to keep track of. And so it's not always just like we cut from this person to this person, but they have a scene with the musicians where they're talking, you know, it's more character development or something. And then it pans to Rose, Jack, Fabrizio and the Irish dude running yeah. by, like it's all timed. Well, Fabrizio says, uh, or the Irish guy says, music to drown by. Now I know I'm in first class. I just thought that was a funny line. <laughs> no, there were like little moments of 
of humor in this movie too, which is ins- which is crazy. Like when Jack is, he's like, has is handcuffed, and yeah. Rose, he's like, okay, Rose, like I'm gonna go find help. I'm gonna go find help, and she leaves the room. And he just goes, I'll just wait here. <laughs> so like he, he doesn't even have that in, but it just adds like a little bit of like that's kind of mm. funny. <laughs> And then when uh, he gets, she gets the axe, and he's like, "Wait, practice first. And she she hits a spot. And he's like, "Now hit the same spot again." And she's way off. He's like, "I thought that was great." Okay, enough practicing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're rushing through, you know, the ship. And there's a guy praying. He says, "As I walk through the valley of death." And Jack says, "Hey, you want to walk a little faster through that valley?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> it's like it's like these lines where it's like, when you're writing the script, you gotta be like, just <laughs> this is this is the this is the meat of the movie. Like this is where people are just like on the edge of their seat and then you just throw a line in there like that that's just like come on he's gotta say it like I wonder who fought for that line to be in there because I feel like James Cameron is not mm-hmm. somebody who's like let's just toss humor back and forth you know like I feel like that's something that somebody kind of had to fight for and it's great it's so golden especially like when they're doing the first few draft like you're just getting like I imagine the movie is so serious at that point that none of these lines were like oh yeah this will definitely go in there it's like they must have been late additions where it's like because once you're acting you're rehearsing you're doing this maybe you're just living in the scene a little bit more you're probably just like saying this to each other like uh like you're just kind of cracking jokes about this yeah horrifying moment that you've you've relived multiple times like from a storytelling standpoint yeah and then my other favorite thing is just when like cal gets away but rose just like has to mention that he killed himself when the stock market crashed yeah it's like we have to yeah. throw that in there it's like oh and he died Well, because everyone's wondering everyone's wondering what happened to him you know it's, it's kind of for the audience i think it this movie just watch re-watching it because like i know it's got such a stigma attached to it of it's such a corny you know love story but really re-watching it really like with a different lens like I don't know if I'm older or what but it really kind of made me appreciate a lot more about it that I don't think a lot of people I think a lot of people take for granted just the the pure just masterpiece and just how it's just um, it's just a really well-made film from casting to the plot to the script to the pacing to the cinematography, the music, like everything about it, I think it's worthy of all those Academy Awards that it was nominated for and won. Like, I really do. I think it's a really, really good film. And I get it. Like, I love it. Two thumbs up. I, I love it. It's it's like, people might call it manipulative or something, but it's like, it's manipulative in the best ways. Like, it's clearly, it's has an, it's kind of, I guess, melodramatic. I, I don't know. But it, like, it has an, it wants you to feel something and it it's very shameless. And it's like, this is... But that's yeah. what a lot of big romantic Hollywood movies are, right? And it's it fully embraces what it is. It fully just owns and leans into how just over the top it is. I think, and I think that's what makes it so great. It doesn't hold back. It gives you everything you go to see and expect. It gives it to you. Sometimes it's, it's well, it's like when a Star Wars Born came out. I know not everyone liked that. I was mixed. But it was kind of nice to have a movie that's just like movie stars falling in love. It's yeah. just like a big it's like movie. Lala Land. That's, that's, like yeah, La exactly. La Land. Yeah. That's Titanic. We both loved it. You know, I mean, it's been a, it's been around since '97. We've both seen it multiple times, but I would call it a great film. And you know, I suggest everyone. How many times do you think you've seen it? Oh man, that's hard. I've probably seen it like 18 times. Whoa. 
That's a lot of times. But I used to watch it like every year at least. Like I, I made my best friend, if she ever listens to this podcast, she's gonna laugh because we would have sleepovers and she, I'd make her watch it. And that, she hates it. She hates it, but she's just a good friend. Do you know what the funny thing is? I would fall asleep, but she would stay up and watch it. Like <laughs> she's like, God damn it, every time, every time. I'm Jack, I'm like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, Titanic. Thanks for listening. Uh, we gotta, I think our next one is The Village. Maybe? Let's do it. So catch us next time for The Village and we will break down M. Night Shyamalan's major motion picture that has divided many people. I'll be right back. <laughs>